Awesome. Well, it, as I said a little bit earlier, it's awesome to be here. Just a little bit about um, myself, just so you can kind of contextualise where we're from. We're from uh, Biddenden. You're all wondering where that is. It's near Tenterden. You're all wondering where that is. Um, so in the Weald of Kent, you're wondering where that is. If you picture Ashford, Maidstone, Tunbridge Wells, um, there's lots of towns and villages in between, and, and we're based right in the middle of all of that. So um, we, uh, we were involved in, uh, we've been involved in many church plants um, over the years. We were involved in, in Ashford um, and uh, I was serving on the team in Ashford when somebody who was living in the Weald of Kent was, was worshipping with us and they said, wouldn't it be awesome if something like this um, were, were on the Weald? And uh, long story short, that kind of grabbed us and uh, God led us there. Um, we thought to plant the church. We had a couple of couples. We thought yeah, these guys would, would be great. We'd plant it and leave it with them. Um, and uh, lo and behold, God had other plans. And uh, we've been there 10 years plus now. So, um, But we, we, we were very clear. God, God, God led us. Well, we've always rented um, a, a accommodation. We've never bought. God said to us right at the very beginning when we got saved, um, you know, I, I don't want you to own a house. Um, it's not because we have a theological issue with people that own houses, so you can all go, Phew. you know, that's okay. But, but it's, it, it's because um, we, we felt God just say, I, I want you to stay flexible for me. And uh, so there's been many a time where God has just said, it's time to go. And, and we've gone. Um, and it comes with its own challenges. Um, so when we went out onto the Weald, we were looking at Tenterden, which is the central town. Um, and uh, we had a choice between there and Biddenden, which is a, a much smaller village. And, uh, and God had said to us to, to plant across the towns and villages in the Weald. Um, and, uh, and so going to Tenterden would have been interesting because I think we would have just had a Tenterden church. And uh, God said to us, no, so we turned the house down in Biddenden because we, we were just being very fleshly about it. And I thought we'd be intended, it'd be nicer, it'd be a bigger town. And, and, uh, and God said to us, no, um, I want you in Biddenden. So, um, so we went back, um, uh, the neighbour held the key, we knocked the door, we said, look, we've got a couple of people from our church that, you, that we told them we were Christians. We're just going to bring them around to pray around the house if that's okay and just see if this is where God is leading us. She was like, oh, okay, then, yeah, that's fine. You know, she was just, uh, 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 and so this neighbour lets us in, we prayed around it, a couple of prophetic words later and we got the house. And, uh, and again, we spoke to the landlord um, who lives up in London and we told him we'd probably be there three years because we're planting. About three years in, he said, oh, you do this church planting thing, are you getting ready to go? We said, well, we don't know yet, actually. We feel God might be calling us to stay. Um, and, uh, and we've had a couple of conversations since. And now um, he's just said, look, I'll put you on a year's notice. And, uh, you, you know, so whenever you decide to go, give us a year. Uh, and that's it. But it looks like you're just here. He said, just remember, it's my house, not yours. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, but, so we've been there for a very long time. Um, and as a consequence, we've been able to reach many towns and villages. So we've got about 13 towns and villages represented within the life of the church. Um, and it's challenging. It's not easy. I mean, church life isn't easy, is it? But, 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 you know, but, but actually, it's challenging because uh, you, you, each town and village has its own kind of community and way of doing things, and, and some villages don't like other villages, and, and you know, that goes back to hundreds of years ago. I don't even know why they don't like each other. You know, so, but you've got all of this going on, and, 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 and our heart has been to, to really equip and, and inspire any person that is in a village or in a town, we say, right, once you're there, we want to pray for and see a community group established in that place. 
So then that community group can then be a community within a community, and we don't know what it will look like. We don't know whether God will have us one central place or lots of small places. We, we, we just don't know. What I do know is that we, we, we have to, as Christians, live, get used to living in the confusion. And, 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 and I was saying this earlier as well. One of the things that I've realised is actually coming out of COVID, we really are in a funny time. We're in this season where actually, you know, there's stuff that we've been used to. The old wineskin, the old way of doing things, the old way of reaching out, the old way of doing church. It's just kind of like, it's just not quite working, is it? It's creaking. Have you noticed that? You know, even how we do life together. You know, we, uh, you know we've got people in our church who, who, who you know, I mean, um, they work with people not in this country. That Their teams are online. You know, that, that they travel around. And so the people they spend time with aren't the town, people in the town and village. They spend most of their time with people from other places. How, how, how are they going to be a good witness in that place? And how is that effective? Well, we need a different mindset. So you're struggling with this old wineskin and, and then you know that there's something new coming but we don't quite know what it is. So actually what we need to do in the middle here is concentrate on the wine, not the wineskin. Because actually, isn't it about the Holy Spirit? It's about God. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, he'll lead us. And actually that's what we've learned over these particularly last 10 years. We just keep our eyes fixed on him and, 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 and he'll lead us the rest of the way. <laughs> You know, and it might get complicated and difficult. I mean, we might have to wait a couple of years. You know, you've got to learn in the kingdom as well. We've got to wait. We've got to be patient. Jesus said this. He said, the kingdom of God is, is near. He said, the kingdom of God is here. But what we've learned is actually the kingdom of God is near, here, and yet to appear. So as Christians, we ought to be used to living in that tension all the time, isn't it? It's that sense that actually the kingdom of God isn't quite here yet. It's nearby. You know, and then sometimes it's here. We see healing. We see God do things. And we think, wow, the kingdom of God is here. But we also know that we're not living in the fullness of it. So as Christians, we're living in that tension all the time, are we not? We got involved in a church plant in um, uh, 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 um, Stafford. And uh, we were living in Dover at the time. And, uh, and God said, right, no, you, you're going to Stafford. And uh, we were renting a place. So, and so we had to let the contract um, come to an end. We couldn't renew it. Um, but we hadn't found another place up in Stafford. And at the time, I was, uh, I, I was doing uh, my second year out with the church, doing training, doing various things. And so we had no real income. Um, you know, it's very hard to rent a property when you've got no income and no real deposit. And so you're just trusting God all the time. And I got on a train and went to Stafford and literally Pam moved in with, 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 uh, with, with our daughter then um, uh, into some friends' house. They just put her up and she was going to stay there for as long as it took me to find a house in Stafford. We were just trusting God. And I, I got up there and, and uh, the pastor in one of the local churches um, was putting me up and, uh, and uh, I, I just trudged the streets for a couple of days and, and, and you know, I just knew I couldn't afford anything that was in the windows. And, and he's like, God, where are we? And you're just trusting God to lead you. And, and I'm sat at the table and, and Howard, he sat there and he said, Carl, I just can't believe you. He said that, you know, you've just like, you've moved out of your house. You've got no house and you just trust. I said, I, said, I know, but I said, I said, God has said, so we've just got to trust him, haven't we? Which point, this guy pops his head in, um, and uh, his family owned a, a, like a caravan park in West Scotland and, uh, and everything else. And, and he pops his head in, and he says, hi, Howard. I uh, just popped in, say hi. And went, oh, by the way, do you remember Dr. So-and-so? I can't even remember their names. Dr. So-and-so and his wife, Dr. So-and-so. They're now missionaries over in, uh, you, you know, where they are in Africa or whatever. Um, he said, well, well, they've decided to stay in Africa for another year. He said, which means that their house, which is in Stafford, he said, um, uh, this is in a village in Great Haywood, which is in Stafford, he said it ha ha is now available 
all. Do you know anyone that's looking for a house? He said, you know, they don't want any deposit or anything, he said, and, and they literally want the mortgage covered. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I might know someone. So yeah, we moved in, we had that house for a year, and at the end of it, they said, look, you know, we're, we're not coming back, so we might sell it, and you can have first refusal on it. And we said, no, because God has said no. And, and, and we just, but do you see how God can lead? You know, God can lead us. God takes us every step, and we've just got to keep trusting him. You know, so the second thing I, I want to say, because I like telling stories, and so you, you'll get used to that with me, and, and, and uh, you know, I, I made sure I'm telling different stories, you see. Yeah, so, so, um, so it keeps me interested. No, uh, but, <laughs> but, no, no. but, you know, I, when, when we got saved, two years before we got saved, a guy named Terry came knocking on the door, and um, uh, he, he, he was a friend of Pam's mum, long story short. He was basically a friend of Pam's mum, trying to encourage us to get to church, because she'd been, you know, mum was involved with the church we'd moved away together we were living together um in canterbury um and uh, and and they wanted us involved in the church and so terry came along and he invited us to this church we decided not to go two years later um may 20th 1993 give our lives to jesus two days later after that we're um uh, we're getting baptized at the baptism service, Terry comes and finds us. He's actually part of this church that we've been added to. And he pulls this piece of paper out of his pocket. And on this piece of paper is a list of names, and some of them have got lines through them. Pam's name and my name was on that list. Terry was a prayer. When Terry had been asked to look out for us, he'd come round. We rebuked that. We weren't really too interested, so that was not a lot. You know, we'd, we'd said no. He set to praying for us. On the Thursday morning, when he prayed for us, God said, you can cross their names out. He said, I've never known when God tells, he just, God just tells me to start, God tells me to stop. He said, I've never known what's happened with that. He said, then I'm here on the Saturday, he said, and I learned that on the Thursday, you two gave your lives to Christ. And I've been praying for you for two years. Prayer works, church. So we learned a very valuable lesson when we got saved, prayer works. You know, and, and it's really important, isn't it, that all the time we are continually praying, we are continually following the lead of the Holy Spirit. I say this why in the context of evangelism, because, because you know, in, in my journey um, in following Christ and being involved with churches and, and everything that we've seen, and it's just been a privilege to be on this journey, and, 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 and uh, what I've observed is, is, is this, that sometimes churches get so caught up in the methodology that they, they, they miss the theology. What I mean by that is, 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 is they're so caught up in the idea of how to reach somebody that they get caught up in that, and then that doesn't work how they wanted it to, and so then they get wounded or that they, stay, they, they no longer invest in it, but they stop investing in the thing that we're commanded to do because actually the methodology doesn't work. Does that make sense? So it's that idea, you know, that actually, you know... Now, I'm not saying... I have no problem with any methodologies. Hear me on this because God blesses them, you know? But, but, but actually, you know, Jesus, where he was, sometimes he prayed and there was faith in the room, sometimes he prayed and there wasn't faith in the room. Sometimes he, he you know, he, he did things and people wanted to be healed, sometimes they, that they weren't expecting to be healed. Do, do, do you see? Sometimes Jesus had a word of knowledge, sometimes Jesus, you know, led with healing. And we've got to understand that, you know, with all of these things that are going on, that actually, you know, Jesus healed in all of these ways, which means that all of them work. But the key factor is that the Holy Spirit was at work, and it's God that heals, not the method. And I find churches get bound up so often because they're so caught up in, in actually, we've got to do it this way, and then it doesn't work, and they feel like such a failure, and what have I done wrong? And not realising, actually, it's God who saves and it's God who heals. 
I cannot save a single person. I've never saved a single person. But I've had the privilege of leading many people to Christ. And I've introduced people to Christ. But that is only because of Christ. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit that's been at work in me. I've had the privilege of seeing people healed. But that's only because the Holy Spirit has been working through me. Do, do you see? Now, if I understand that, and I'm called to be a witness, Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. He wants you to be a witness. We're called to go and make disciples. How do we do it? Well, we just witness. We tell uh, uh, you know, of all that we've seen and all that we've heard. You know, all that God has done. We share that with people. And actually, we trust that Holy Spirit works on it. Because do you know what? Terry was trusting God that even though we didn't engage with church after he'd come round to us, he just kept faithfully praying. Why? Because he had been a witness and because he was being obedient to God. I have no idea, no idea how people have been impacted when I've shared with them, witnessed to them or whatever in my part. But, but do you know what? I trust that to God. Otherwise, it becomes about me. Therefore, I beat myself up. And I just want to share a little story with you from Scripture. We all know the story well. It's the story of Peter. And I just want to share how Peter came to find Christ. Because often we read these stories and, and, and you know, uh, Peter, you know, he's one of these ones in the Scriptures and he's, he's like, you know, and, and the Bible says, you know, and Jesus spoke to him and he followed Jesus. And, and it's, it's kind of almost like this sense of going off into the sunset, you know. It's just like Jesus says, you know, come follow me. And you go, okay, and off you go. And you think, well, it doesn't work like that, does it? You know, it's just like every time I've shared, you know, you know, you know the Lord loves you. And I, you need to bow the knee to him now. And you go, yes, of course, I will. And I'm going to follow him. And we think it's great, you know. And, and we read these stories of revival and people pouring out. Of, you know, and, and we think that's what it's got to be like. And, and then our experience is I share my story with somebody and they go, Oh, that's okay for you, isn't it? And we think, oh my goodness, you know, it's just, it's, it's not the same. But it was almost the same with, with Peter and Jesus. And we're saying, and also, you know, I love putting myself in the story. You know, the best illustration with Peter is is the story in 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 the garden where the the ear gets cut off. You know, we can read over that, can't we? You know. Peter gets angry, he cuts the ear off. Jesus says, you know, heals the man and off they walk. But, but, you know, put yourself there for a moment. There's all this commotion going on and they're coming to grab Jesus and Peter being impulsive, you know, his sword comes out and he cuts a man's ear off. I mean, the man would have screamed, ah, my ear! Blood would have been going out and the ear was on the ground. And Peter is rebuked by Jesus. I get, I can just picture Jesus picking the ear up out of the pool of blood, you know, these little wobbly things, you know, like this. And he's like, Peter, we don't do this. No. Puts it back on the guy and heals him. And his ear's back on. I mean, just imagine it there. Put yourself in. You know, we read over we think, you know, it, it would have been it would have been scary and comical at the same time. We're not told whether the guard had a family. He was pulling the night shift, clearly, because they were arresting Jesus at night. He gets home in the morning, you know, he sat at the at the breakfast table, probably not eating cornflakes because it wasn't around by back then, but you know, but whatever they're eating for breakfast with his wife and kids and and, and, and you know, one of the kids said, Daddy, what, why is there blood on your neck and, 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 and collar? Strange story. My ear got cut off last night. No! Dad, you're so funny. You're always telling us stories. No, seriously. And it got put back on by this guy. I mean, you imagine it. 
We don't dwell on it enough, do we? we do we? And so, so let's put ourselves in the, in the life of Peter. Let's put ourselves in the story. Let's go to John chapter 1. We'll start there. And uh, I just want you to kind of like, you, you know, just, just, just hear this. Because my understanding when I read my Bible is that, you know, that these, these stories are eyewitness accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're three eyewitness accounts. Uh, sorry, four eyewitness accounts. And they're coming at it from slightly different angles. And when they say things like, and he followed, immediately he went off and followed them, that's because they've told their bit. And they're just kind of summing it up. Do, 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 do you see? So, so in the context of this long story over many years, they're just kind of saying, well, well yeah, but, but, so you need to know, this was the encounter I was aware of, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing is he, he, he's following him. Do you see? But we've got to piece this together. And in, in John chapter 1, verse th- we'll pick it up from verse 35. Um, it says, and again the next day, John, um, uh, this is uh, John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked upon Jesus as he walked, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and beheld them, and he said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come, and you will see. They came, therefore, and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And the next day he, Jesus, purposed to go forth into Galilee. So the story here is John the Baptist has got people with him. Jesus comes along. John points him out. These guys see the Messiah. They respond to the Messiah. They go back with the Messiah. They're spending time with Jesus. And Andrew, the excited one who's found the Messiah, who's really good picture your first day when you got saved and how excited you were and wanting other people to know about this, he goes and finds his brother, And he says, you've got to come. I've met the Messiah. And he brings his brother along and he gets him to meet Jesus. And Jesus is embarrassing. Because Jesus looks at him and he says, oh, you're called Simon. I'm going to change your name to Peter. You're going to be called Peter soon. And that was it. That's all that we get. How confusing is that? So Jesus brings him a word of knowledge. No explanation, nothing about it. We know that actually the understanding and the fulfillment of that comes about three years later. <laughs> three years. Have you ever had that where you've brought someone along to church or you know, you've, you've shared something or you've brought something to people and they just kind of look at you like you're, you're odd, you're strange. You're, you know, and it's just like, but, but actually God does that. Sometimes he'll bring a word of knowledge into a situation and and we've got no idea. Or sometimes we're too embarrassed to bring what God is wanting to say because we're worried about what that person might think about it. And do you know what? They might think you're strange and peculiar. Lots of people think I'm strange and peculiar. I've just got used to it. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things. And you know, and you do that, but you hold back because you think, well, what will this person think? What will they say? Well, actually, I've got to trust that to God. So Jesus says this to Peter, and, 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 and it's a bit strange and it's a bit unusual. I, I'll tell you what. 
even here, you know, I shared this and then, um, you know, I always love to kind of just listen to what Holy Spirit's doing and sometimes he brings words and we love just getting amongst people and, and praying afterwards and stuff. And I was chatting with one person, I had a word for them. I didn't realise they weren't saved and, and, and brought it. And then, and then somebody came up a bit later and just said that was a really helpful word of knowledge. So even today, God brought a word of knowledge to somebody who wasn't saved in this room. I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, I think God wants to just say this to you. You know, it's just like, yeah. we've got to trust Holy Spirit. We've got to throw off some of these things. Just say, let's just trust him. Let's be believing, you know, that actually he can do these things through us. Can't he? Yep. Yeah? Yep. Stop. Do you know, sorry, this is an aside. This is, I struggle when we talk about like um, you know, being leaky vessels and this sort of thing sometimes. Because it almost implies that we're like cups or mugs or things like that where, where actually what we're meant to do is kind of capture Holy Spirit and keep as much of him as we can and, and, then, and then it runs down again. Do you know what? The, a gift of healing is not your gift. It's actually the, it actually blesses the person who gets healed. Do you see? So, a gift, so the gifts of the Spirit aren't actually they're for the recipient of, of, of the, am I running out of battery? No. Microphone. Can I just move it? See that? Is that right now? Is it rubbing against my beard? There you go. Cool. There you go. We have to picture ourselves. Almost. There we go. We have to picture ourselves more as conduits. Pipes that actually Holy Spirit floods through. You know, that, that actually, that, that the Holy Spirit wants to reach that person I'm talking to, and the person he's going to use to work through is you. So he's going to bless that one with the gift of healing. It's going to come through you. So I don't possess the gift of healing. What I allow is that gift to be given to others through me. Do, do you see? So all I've got to do is position myself in the right place, be pointing in the right direction, so Holy Spirit can work through me. Do you see the difference? It makes a massive difference. Because then I'm not troubling myself each day with, am I filled up enough to go out or whatever and stuff. I've just got to say, am I connected to Holy Spirit? Fantastic. Then I can shoot whichever direction God wants me to, to fire in. And that's what God's called us to do. And so Jesus brings this word of knowledge to Peter. Then we read in Mark chapter 1. And you can read this in um, Matthew chapter 4 as well. But in Mark chapter 1, um, verse 16, um, well, we'll pick it up from verse 14. So, uh, and after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. So now John had to introduce, so we know that this is afterwards, because John has introduced Jesus to these disciples. Andrew's brought Simon, who's got this strange name change going on thing that he's now got. After John gets arrested, Jesus, it says, goes into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. So here we've now got what's happened. The word of God has come to them. Andrew has come to Jesus. Uh, in a sense, he's understood that he's the Messiah. Peter's had this word. And what do they do? They just go back to what they know. They're back fishing. Do you see? And it says, so Jesus comes along and he throws a little bit more confusion into the mix. <laughs> Not only am I going to change your name, Peter, I'm going to change your job description. 
Yep. You think you're a fisherman, now you're going to be a fisher of men. Peter must be like, who is this Jesus? Every time I talk to him, he just wants to redefine me. I'm me, you know, I don't want to be redefined or defined by somebody else. How dare God define me, you know? It's that kind of sense of, of that going on. And so you've got this, this thing going on once again where, where Peter's confused, Andrew's with him. Now, how many times have you encountered that in, in your walk where you've shared something with someone and you think, wow, this is absolutely amazing. Or, or, or someone even encounters a healing or a blessing of God, and then they just go back to what they know. Well, it even happened when Jesus was sharing. So take heart. Be encouraged. You know, what the enemy loves is he loves these little splinters to get in, these little thoughts to get in, where he just kind of wants you to kind of like, you know, oh, well, you know, you didn't do that very well, you know. Well, you went for healing on the streets, didn't work, did it, you know. You know uh, but it works somewhere else. There must be something with you. You know, you're going treasure hunting or whatever it is, you know. But, 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 you know and all of these things, they're great things. And, and, and I think sometimes it's worth just giving them a go. It really is. And sometimes you've just got to be clear. You know, I remember someone ringing me up and said, can you recommend a good evangelism course? I said, about 100 and not one of them. They went, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't know your situation. I don't know where you are. I don't know what God is saying to you. So how can I recommend something? I can't match you with something when I don't know you. What are the words that are over you? What's your situation? We can't go out and do healing on the streets where we are because we live in small towns and villages. It's just, it just doesn't work. There's not, there's not that kind of community in that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? But what we can do is go and meet in coffee shops. We can spend a lot of time just out amongst people. I love sitting on park benches and just striking up conversations. We bless our, our, our bin men with teas and coffees and, and, and cold drinks. And, and you know, we just find ways to engage with our community and blessing in our community and, and, and maybe open up a conversation. So, like, Holy Spirit, how can you use me today? Well, let me just be salt and light wherever I go. I will do good wherever I go, and I will hope that it opens up a conversation. And sometimes it might be that I just go for the conversation because I just think, actually, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to go for broke, you know? That's what I'm saying. And so, so once again, we've got Peter's encountered Jesus. And, and, and what's his response? Well, we then turn to Luke chapter 5. And uh, just before this, in Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 39, um, just for the purposes of time, I'll just you know, quickly tell the story. So what happens is, is Peter's mother-in-law gets sick. So, so, um, so, so, you know, so Jesus comes along, he comes in, he heals his mother-in-law. So there's kind of the third encounter, you know, that, that actually now he's seen healing. Uh, he, he, he's had a word of knowledge which he doesn't understand. He, 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 he's had a, a kind of prophetic thing over him he doesn't understand. Um, but, but now the healing's happened with his, with his mother-in-law. And, and so that means that, you know, Peter was successful. He was doing well. He had a business. He had boats. He, you know, his family all lived together. So, 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 you know, God provided, you know, the miraculous catch of fish. That was God's way of saying to him, I will provide for you. I will take care of you. You know, left them enough to be able to sell and to do things. But, but then we get to 5 verse 1 and it says this. Now it came about that while the multitude were pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. See, by now, he's realised that there is something about this Jesus. His mother-in-law's been healed. 
There is something about this Jesus. So do you, do you know what? At your bidding, I'm going to do it, because actually weird things happen around you, Jesus. Even if I don't like them or understand them, they still do. And so when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and the nets began to break and they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet and he said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. I, I personally do not think that that bit where Jesus rep- sorry, Peter repents is because he doubted whether Jesus would fill the boats or there'd be a catch. I think that's the point where Peter really gets it. He suddenly realises who this Jesus is. Because, do you see, he's already had three encounters with him. He's already had these moments with him where his brother's been transformed and is really excited about um, who it is. That he's beginning to talk to him about what the future's going to hold. He's healed his mother-in-law, and now he's provided this miraculous catch. And all of a sudden, he's gone, you are Jesus. You are the Messiah. And he bows the knee. That's encouraging. I didn't come to faith the first time somebody spoke to me. It took me a while. In fact, when they first met me, I believed that we had come from outer space and we descended from spacemen. I'm a bit, I, was a bit, I was one of those wacky ones, you know? I had all sorts of theories of where we come from and whatever it was and cave paintings that didn't exist, but I'd like to just say that they did anyway because, you know, it really supported my argument. And, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. I, I was into some really weird stuff. And somebody just took the time to listen and say, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> you know, that good old, you know, um, parking that for later thing. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, but it was really good. It was really faithful with me. But what I loved was like, just meeting people who were genuine, who seemed to be full of life, and it was, it was doing something to me, even though they didn't realise it was. Do you see? Because when I'd grown up, I'd seen things like songs of praise, and, you know, they were singing about joy, and they looked like they'd been baptised in lemon juice, you know. It's just like, you think, you know, they're definitely not, you know, you know some joy to the Lord, you know. I'm just thinking, you look like the least happiest people on earth, and you're singing about happiness. If that's what happiness is, well, I'm happier than you already. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just didn't get it. And, and, then, and then I meet people who are just full of joy. Pure joy, you know, just, just, just real joy, who are just full of life. You know, they're going through difficult things, but they still seem like they've got hope. And boy, we've walked through some rubbish, you know, in our life. We've, we've had all sorts of things, but I can honestly say without Jesus, I don't know where we'd be. But I can also honestly say that he's been with us as he promised, that he would always be with us to the very end of the age. So far, he has not fell in that promise once. He has been with us in every step of the way. Even when we're crying and screaming out. And, you know, and so I, I was only a few weeks ago, I, I just literally, I was driving the car, I was screaming at him. He can take it. It's really, I'm just like, God, where are you? And I don't understand. You said, rah, rah, rah. but you're God. You ever been in that place? You know? We were involved in the early years of the church plant. There was a point where I, I thought, you know, our son had been assaulted, our, our, you know, with accusations against us as a family. The, the plant that we had just completely split, and you know, and, and I remember just going upstairs, and I was just, I was on my knees, and I said, God, I am sorry, but I don't want this anymore. I don't want it. I, I, how is this good? How is this fun? How is this exciting? <laughs> but God, 
I'm really sorry. I've got, I guess I've got, I'm sorry I feel like this, but I do. But I also know that I said, not my way, but yours. So if you say that I've got to stay, then I'll stay. But you've got to know I doth protest much. <laughs> and, and I probably will continue to protest. And that was a hard day because I, I, I would have happily just got in a car and driven anywhere and just not looked back. And then you go seven years after that, church is planted, elders are in place. The two key things that were really attacking us as a church within two weeks of actually having elders established just got reconciled and got sorted. And you think it was just clear attack, pure attack. Because we have an enemy, a very real enemy, and he doesn't want us to preach the good news. He doesn't want us to see the kingdom expand. And we can have really good seasons, we can have seasons of lavish growth, and we can have dry seasons. It doesn't stop God being God. And we've just got to be faithful in that call to be witnesses. So Jesus wanted to raise a disciple, not just a convert. He got hold of Peter and then he mentored him and he trained him and, and he was trained, he made mistakes, he got encouraged, he made mistakes, he did silly things like, you know, he got it right, well done, you got that right, you know, blessed are you, you've heard it, now get behind me, Satan. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It was just like, you know, it's like, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, I don't know if any of your pastors here have ever said that to you. You know, it's encouraging pastoral talk, isn't it? You know, it's just like, hey, I've got this great idea. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't want that, would you? Do, do, do you know what I mean? It's a, but, but that's how Jesus spoke to Peter. Will you imagine him? Do you know what I mean? He was in the crowd. He's like, you're blessed. You, it's been revealed to you who I am, the Christ. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and then I'm going to die. No, surely not. I'll get behind me, Satan. He's just like, ha, 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 ha. The whole crowd, imagine, all around them, just like, yeah, you were mocking us just now, weren't you? Now he's at the back of the class, you know. It's just like, it, it's that sort of thing going on. And you said, but there was this whole discipleship going on. Why? Because he was being trained in how to follow Holy Spirit, in, in how to trust Holy Spirit, in, in, in how to, you know, commit all of his ways to him so that later we see Peter, you know, uh, this man who's, you know, all of a sudden he starts seeing the dead rise, raised and he's preaching the gospel and people are getting healed. And, and you know what? He's not bothered whether he's the most important man in the room or not. He defers to James in, in Acts chapter 15. You know, that's a transformation where all of a sudden he's just like, you know, from who is the greatest to actually, well, well actually James presides. So what do you think, James? You know, it's, 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 actually he's just a servant. He's following Holy Spirit. And, you know, God wants you and I just to obediently follow him. You know, actually, we do have a calling, church. We do. We do. You know, we can misread that scripture sometimes that, you know, that often says, you know, well, well you know, I'm in this world, but not of it. You know the one? You know? And that gives us an escape mindset. Well, I'm in it, but I'm not of it, so I'm trying to get away from it all the time. Actually, Jesus says, you're not of this world, but I'm sending you into it. That's a different mindset. That says, actually, you've come from somewhere else, but you're meant to be here. Do you see? One's about escaping, and one's about actually purposefully being involved and engaged with it. You and I are called to engage with the world around us. It might be shifting, it might be changing, but that's okay, because we're people of change anyway. You know, Holy Spirit, if you ask him to lead each day and take each day, he might change each day that you have. You know, sometimes he's not very good for people that like kind of, you know, you know kind of order and, and things like that because he, he messes it. When was the last time you prayed over your diary? Said, Lord, actually, do I need to actually make some changes to my diary? 
I'm strict with my diary in as much that I do not schedule so much in that I am not free for spontaneity. As long as it happens on Thursday at 3 p.m. No, no. But, no but, <laughs> but, but what I mean is, is, is seriously, it's really important because you never know what's going to come. If I'm so booked up that I can't do anything for four weeks, that, then actually where's the room for the Holy Spirit to say, actually, I'd like you just to go and do that this week? Do you see what I'm saying? So pray over you to pray over everything that you have and submit it to God. We've got five minutes. I'd like to pray for us. Is that okay? So, so yeah, we've got more time to dig into the word there. But I just want to, I just want you to be encouraged. Peter took a few encounters. The people you're praying for might take several encounters. But actually, it's not you that's going to heal them. It's not you that's going to save them. It's God. But you are called to be obedient in your witnessing. And you may, you may have found yourself actually not doing it. It may be fear. Be honest, I get afraid. You know, there are times I go out and I think, actually, I don't want to engage in this conversation. It, you know, either because I can't be bothered, because actually, you know, something good's about to come on the TV and it might mean I'm going to miss it. Or it might be that actually, actually, I'm a bit afraid of what they might say to me. You know? Because people have been quite rude. I had one guy, he stood there in front of me and I was telling him about Jesus. And he said, if that is real, if that is really real, I dare your God to strike me down right now where I'm standing. I really thought I was going to look at him and it was just going to be a pair of smoking boots, you know, like on those comic books. And I just thought part of me wanted that. I really did, you know, if I'm honest. And part of me realised then he had no hope of getting to heaven if that had happened. So I really, you know, so, so it didn't happen. <coughs> now that leaves you with a weird feeling afterwards because you just kind of think, actually, the next person you've been embarrassed on the high street. You've said, you know, actually, what do I do with that? And it's a little splinter that gets in. Do you see? And it grows, and it festers. And actually, the early church, what did they pray? They prayed for boldness and the, you know, the words to say in boldness, not because they were full of boldness, but because they were afraid. Because people out there wanted their heads. So they said, Lord, give us the words to say and boldness. It's okay to, to say, I'm afraid, Lord. But the good thing is God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, does he? Power, love, self-discipline, self-control. God blesses us. He gives us that spirit, Holy Spirit, to drive away that fear. But it's okay to say, I'm a bit afraid. Or I don't know what to say. But Holy Spirit can put those words in your mouth. So I just want to pray. I want to, I want to pray. Just lift off, you know, there might be fear in the room. There might be situations that you've been in that actually have caused you um, not to, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, not to reach out. Um, and it's, sorry, I just got distracted by, um, you're, you're, is it your back that you're struggling with? No. Have you got a, sorry? Your husband has back problems. Are you struggling with something as well or not? Just uncomfortable on the seat? Oh, no, that's right. Okay, no, I, I, I just wondered, because I just, I, I don't know, I just felt God um, uh, wanted to bless you with something, but, but there we go, but that's okay. So, uh, uh, but yeah, no, that's okay. I'm going to pray for, pray for you in a moment. Um, I, I do, I, 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 is there anyone here that's got foot problems, as in like, a problem with the um, uh, foot problems and um, blood pressure, issue with blood pressure? Okay, all right, so over there. Is it foot or blood pressure? Or both? Foot. Your foot, your blood pressure. Your foot, your blood pressure. Okay, they come in pairs. That's fantastic. Is it like feet? There we go. So, sorry, yours, blood pressure. Your feet are okay, though, yeah? Good, yeah. Good. Ish. Okay, good. Okay. All right. Over here as well? You have foot and blood pressure. Well, there you go. Okay, fantastic. Well, we all have feet and blood pressure, I guess. But yeah, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, cool. Okay, right. What we're going to do in a moment is, is, is pray. I, 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 um, 
I had a dream last night. I, I, I trust God, and sometimes I get pains. Like one time I was driving, a horrible pain in one of my wrists, and, and, and it didn't go away until God said, look, for crying out loud, I want you to pray for people with wrist problems. And, oh, yeah, okay. And then it goes, whatever. I dreamed last night about um, me having really poor blood pressure and just about, you know, and I just, God reminded me in the second half to pray for that. We pray for different things in the first half. Um, uh, but, but because I, I, I think, you know, God wants to do specific things when he's got specific people around, you know, and that's really important. So, so all of those with foot problems, in a minute, I'm going to invite you to come forwards. We're going to pray for you. Is that okay? Um, but before we do, can we just stand? And uh, I, I, I just want to pray generally. Um, hold out hands um, if you want to receive. Um, I say this, I've got kids, I've got grandkids. Um, you know, when I give them a gift, if, they've got, if they hold the hands out, they can receive the gift. Um, you know, if their hands are in their pockets, it falls on the floor, it gets broken. Um, you know, it's just quite straightforward, really. So this is, a, this is a posh, it's not a religious thing. It's just a saying, actually, God, I want to receive what you want to give, you know, and, and, and we receive it. So please, you know, if you're comfortable to do that, I invite you to hold out your hands. I just want to pray. Couple of things. Lord, I just want to thank you that you are a good God, a wonderful God, <laughs> loving God, that you've saved us, you've rescued us. We all have a wonderful testimony of, of, of how you've set us free. Uh, and Lord, we recognize in our journey sometimes, Lord, we get, we get hurt, we get knocked, we get, we get bumped, particularly in the area of us sharing our faith. And uh, uh, Lord, uh, where fear has crept in, Lord, where disappointment has crept in, uh, Lord, where, where uh, Lord, apathy has crept in. Lord, I just want to break that now, Lord, over people. I just break fear now over people. I just ask for a spirit of boldness to come upon this church, Lord, that this church will be bolder in its voice, Lord God. Lord, And if the opposition increases, Lord God, then the voice will get even louder still. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, that you are bigger than anything that might come against this church, Lord, or any individual within this church, Lord God. Lord, you are the Lion of Judah. Lord, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Lord. And so we trust you 100%, Lord God. We know, Lord God, that you are bigger than all these things, Lord. So we trust you, Lord God, to break fear. Holy Spirit, we ask for your boldness. Lord, I ask for opportunities for this church, Lord, to be able to witness and to share. Lord God, even this week, Lord God, dare we believe in for this week, Lord God, that we might be uh, bolder witnesses for you this week, Lord God, that our testimony next week might be, I had a go. I shared this. Lord, it doesn't matter whether we lead them to you or not, Lord God, in one sense, Lord, because as long as we're witnesses, Lord, you work with it, Lord God. Lord, sometimes we lead people through. Sometimes we just leave them with a deposit. Lord God, just help us be faithful conduits, Lord God. Lord, be, 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 be chasing 